Hey everybody, welcome back to the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. My name is Thomas, and I'm glad you could all be here today. I thought since we're about to head into the last week of the Christmas season before its conclusion on next Friday with the Feast of the Purification of Mary, I thought we'd use one more Christmas song for our intro and outro music from the Kosovic Choir, Tolite Hostias, one of my favorite, a very powerful and triumphant one, and one I wanted to use before the end of this season. So a special thank you again to the Kosovic Choir for all the times I was able to use their wonderful Christmas music during this wonderful season. Well, I hope everybody's had a great week thus far, and here on today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, we move into Chapter 9 of the Glories of Mary. Now, Chapter 9 is actually the second to last chapter of this first part of the Glories of Mary, so in truth that means with Chapter 9 and Chapter 10, there's only two more readings for us to go through here in this journey that's been the first part of the Glories of Mary. So with that being said, we're kind of reaching a fork in the road or a checkpoint here on the Children of Our Lady podcast about where do we go next. And that's what I would like to hear from all of you. It would be great if you could let me know down in the comments what you would like to see next, what step to take. Essentially what we're asking, do we continue to go through the glories of Mary? That means going into this next part where St. Alphonsus focuses on the different mysteries of Our Lady's life. Rather lengthy discourses at times, but wonderful reflections and great readings from St. Alphonsus about some of the different mysteries of Our Lady's life, like her Immaculate Conception, the birth of Mary, the presentation of Mary, all the way through the Assumption, her sorrows. Definitely a lot of wonderful fruit to be had there. Or the other option is, do we take a step away from the glories of Mary for a time at least and move into a different book about Our Lady? I have multiple different options in my mind, different directions I'd like to take if and when the time comes that we move on to a different book about Our Lady. So while I'm open for suggestions about different books about Our Lady, really the question right now is do we continue through the glories of Mary or not? So I encourage you all to let me know down in the comments section below. And I think it would be good to address here, I know some of the listeners who have been listening from the beginning on the Children of Our Lady podcast, you may remember a future plan of mine that I mentioned to have interviews with a priest and specifically to focus on the virtues of Our Lady. I think a series having a good discussion about the different virtues of Our Lady that St. Alphonsus explains or dives a little bit deeper into in the glories of Mary, I think that would be very fruitful and beneficial. Obviously, I haven't followed through with that yet. There were some plans in the works for some interviews, but also with timing, schedules for both me and the priests, and really just the undertaking itself. It's obviously a lot different than sitting down and just reading a book myself. Of course, an interview is a whole different approach. But truthfully, it's on me. I just haven't followed through with it. So for now, we're just going to continue to focus on the normal structure of these episodes of the Children of Our Lady podcast. And while the idea of interviews with priests is put on hold for now, if God permits me to still be able to make these episodes into the future and and to be able to continue the Children of Our Lady podcast, then maybe I'll be able to make that idea of interviews with priests happen. Because I think a series of interviews on the virtues of Our Lady is a very unique thing, and I think it would make for some really good conversations. But I don't want to continue to drag this intro on, so today, if you guys could just let me know down in the comments what you would like to see next. Do we continue through the glories of Mary, or move on to a different book about Our Lady? But here on today's episode, we're still not finished with this wonderful first part of the glories of Mary, so we'll go ahead and move into our reading of Chapter 9 from the Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori. Come back for a few more words, our quote, and our prayer to Our Lady. Chapter 9. O Clement, O Pious. 
of the greatness of the clemency and compassion of Mary. St. Bernard, speaking of the great compassion of Mary towards us poor creatures, says that she is the land overflowing with milk and honey promised by God. Hence, St. Leo observes that the Blessed Virgin has so merciful a heart that she deserves not only to be called merciful, but mercy itself. St. Bonaventure also, considering that Mary was made mother of God on account of the miserable, and that to her is committed the charge of dispensing mercy, considering, moreover, the tender care she takes of all, and that her compassion is so great that she seems to have no other desire than that of relieving the needy, says that when he looks at her, he seems no longer to see the justice of God, but only the divine mercy, of which Mary is full. O lady, when I behold thee, I can only discern mercy, for thou wast made mother of God for the wretched, and then thou wast entrusted with their charge. Thou art all solicitude for them. Thou art walled in with mercy. Thy only wish is to show it. In fine, the compassion of Mary is so great towards us that the abbot Guarick says that her loving heart can never remain a moment without bringing forth its fruits of tenderness. And what, exclaims St. Bernard, can ever flow from a source of compassion but compassion itself? Mary is also called an olive tree, as a fair olive tree on the plains. For as from the olive, oil, a symbol of mercy, alone is extracted, so from the hands of Mary, graces and mercy alone proceed. Hence the Venerable Father Louis de Ponte says that Mary may properly be called the mother of oil, since she is the mother of mercy. And thus, when we go to this good mother for the oil of her mercy, we cannot fear that she will deny it to us, as the wise virgins in the gospel did to the foolish ones, lest perhaps there be not enough for us and for you. Oh no, for she is indeed rich in this oil of mercy, as St. Bonaventure assures us. Mary is filled with the oil of compassion. She is called by the church not only a prudent virgin, but most prudent, that we may understand, says Hugo of St. Victor, that she is so full of grace and compassion that she can supply all without losing any herself. Thou, O blessed virgin, art full of grace, and indeed so full that the whole world may draw of this overflowing oil. For if the prudent virgins provided oil in vessels with their lamps, thou, O most prudent virgin, hast borne an overflowing and inexhaustible vessel, from which the oil of mercy streaming, thou replenishest the lamps of all. But why, I ask, is this beautiful olive tree said to stand in the midst of the plains, and not rather in the midst of a garden, surrounded by a wall and hedges? The same Hugo of St. Victor tells us that it is, that all may see her, that all may go to her for refuge, that all may see her easily and as easily have recourse to her, to obtain remedies for all their ills. This beautiful explanation is confirmed by St. Antoninus, who says that all can go to and gather the fruit of an olive tree that is exposed in the midst of a plain, and thus all, both just and sinners, can have recourse to Mary to obtain her mercy. He then adds, Oh, how many sentences of condemnation has not this most blessed virgin revoked by her compassionate prayers in favor of sinners who have had recourse to her? And what safer refuge, says the devout Thomas A. Kempis, can we ever find than the compassionate heart of Mary? There the poor find a home, the infirm a remedy, the afflicted relief, the doubtful counsel, and the abandoned succor. Wretched indeed should we be had we not this mother of mercy always attentive and solicitous to relieve us in our wants. Where there is no woman, he mourneth that is in want, says the Holy Ghost. This woman, says St. John Damascene, is precisely the most blessed Virgin Mary, and wherever this most holy woman is not, the sick man groans. And surely it cannot be otherwise, since all graces are dispensed at the prayer of Mary. And where this is wanting, there can be no hope of mercy, as our Lord gave St. Bridget to understand in these words. 
Unless the prayers of Mary interposed, there could be no hope of mercy. But perhaps we fear that Mary does not see or does not feel for our necessities. Oh no, she sees and feels them far better than we do ourselves. There is not one amongst all the saints, says St. Antoninus, who can ever feel for us in our miseries, both corporal and spiritual, like this woman, the most blessed Virgin Mary. So much so that there where she sees misery she cannot do otherwise than instantly fly and relieve it with her tender compassion. Richard of St. Victor repeats the same thing, and Mendoza says, Therefore, O most blessed Virgin, thou dispensest thy mercies with a generous hand, wherever thou seest necessities. Our good mother herself protests that she will never cease to fulfill this office of mercy. And unto the world to come I shall not cease to be, and in the holy dwelling place I have ministered before him. That is, as Cardinal Hugo explains, I will never cease until the end of the world relieving the miseries of men, and praying for sinners, that they may be delivered from eternal misery and be saved. Suetonius relates that the emperor Titus was so desirous of rendering service to those who applied to him, that, when a day passed without his being able to grant a favor, he used to say with sorrow, I have lost a day, for I have spent it without benefiting anyone. It is probable that Titus spoke thus more from vanity, and the desire of being esteemed, than from true charity. But should such a thing happen to our Empress Mary, as to have to pass a day without granting a grace, she would speak as Titus did, but from a true desire to serve us, and because she is full of charity. So much so indeed, says Bernadine de Bustis, that she is more anxious to grant us graces than we are to receive them. And therefore, says the same author, whenever we go to her, we always find her hands filled with mercy and liberality. Rebecca was a figure of Mary, and she, when asked by Abraham's servant for a little water to drink, replied that not only would she give him plenty for himself, but also for his camels, saying, I will draw water for thy camels also, till they all drink. On these words St. Bernard addresses our Blessed Lady, saying, O Mary, thou art far more liberal and compassionate than Rebecca, and therefore thou art not satisfied with distributing the treasures of thy immense mercy only to the just, of whom Abraham's servants were types, but also thou bestowest them on sinners who are signified by the camels. The liberality of Mary, says Richard of St. Lawrence, is like that of her son, who always gives more than he has asked for. He is, says St. Paul, rich unto all that call upon him. And the liberality of Mary is like his, she bestows more than is sought. Hear how a devout writer thus addresses the Blessed Virgin. O lady, do thou pray for me, for thou wilt ask for the graces I require with greater devotion than I can dare to ask for them and thou wilt obtain far greater graces from God from me than I can presume to seek. When the Samaritans refused to receive Jesus Christ and his doctrines, St. James and St. John asked him whether they should command fire to fall from heaven and devour them. Our Lord replied, You know not of what spirit you are. As if he had said, I am of so tender and compassionate a spirit that I came from heaven to save and not to chastise sinners, and you wish to see them lost. Fire indeed and punishment. Speak no more of chastisements, for such a spirit is not mine. But of Mary, whose spirit is the same as that of her son, we can never doubt but that she is all inclined to mercy. For as she said to St. Bridget, she is called the mother of mercy, and it was by God's own mercy that she was made thus compassionate and sweet towards all. I am called the mother of mercy, and truly God's mercy made me thus merciful. For this reason Mary was seen by St. John clothed with the sun, and a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun. On which words St. Bernard, turning towards the Blessed Virgin, says, Thou, O Lady, hast clothed the sun, that is the eternal word, with human flesh. But he has clothed thee with his power and mercy.
This queen, continues the same St. Bernard, is so compassionate and benign that when a sinner, whoever he may be, recommends himself to her charity, she does not question his merits, or whether he is worthy or unworthy to be attended to, but she hears and succors all. And therefore, remarks St. Idelbert, Mary is said to be fair as the moon. For as the moon enlightens and benefits the lowest creatures on earth, so does Mary enlighten and succor the most unworthy sinners. And though the moon, says another writer, receives all its light from the sun, yet it works quicker than the sun. For what this latter does in a year, the moon does in a month. For this reason St. Anselm says that we often more quickly obtain what we ask by calling on the name of Mary than by invoking that of Jesus. On this subject, Hugo of St. Victor remarks that though our sins may cause us to fear to approach the Almighty, because it is His infinite majesty that we have offended, we must never fear to go to Mary, for in her we shall find nothing to terrify us. True it is that she is holy, immaculate, and the queen of the world, but she is also our flesh, and like us, a child of Adam. In fine, says St. Bernard, all that belongs to Mary is filled with grace and mercy. For she, as a mother of mercy, has made herself all to all, and out of her most abundant charity she has made herself a debtor to the wise and the foolish, to the just and sinners, and opens to all her compassionate heart, that all may receive of the fullness of its treasures. So much so, that as the devil, according to St. Peter, goes about seeking whom he may devour, so, on the other hand, says Bernadine de Bustis, does Mary go about seeking whom she may save, and to whom she may give life. We should fully understand and always bear in mind a remark of St. Germanus, who says that the protection of Mary is greater and more powerful than anything of which we can form an idea. How is it, asks another writer, that that Lord who under the old dispensation was so rigorous in his punishments now shows such mercy to persons guilty of far greater crimes? And he answers that it is all for the love of Mary and on account of her merits. Oh, how long since, exclaims St. Fulgentius, would the world have been destroyed had not Mary sustained it by her powerful intercession. But now, says Arnold of Chartres, that we have the Son as our mediator with the Eternal Father, and the Mother as a mediatress with the Son, we have full access and can go to God with entire confidence and hope for every good thing. How, he goes on to say, can the Father refuse to hear the Son, who shows him his side and wounds, the marks of his sufferings endured for sinners? And how can the Son refuse to hear his Mother when he shows him her bosom and the breasts that gave him suck? St. Peter Chrysostom says that a gentle maiden having lodged a god in her womb asks as its price peace for the world, salvation for those who are lost, and life for the dead. Oh, how many, exclaims the abbot of Celis, who deserve to be condemned by the justice of the Son, are saved by the mercy of the Mother. For she is God's treasure, and the treasurer of all graces, and thus our salvation is in her hands, and depends on her. Let us then always have recourse to this compassionate mother, and confidently hope for salvation through her intercession. For she, according to the encouraging assurance of Bernadine de Bustis, is our salvation, our life, our hope, our counsel, our refuge, our help. Mary, says St. Antoninus, is that throne of grace to which the Apostle St. Paul in his epistle to the Hebrews exhorts us to fly with confidence, that we may obtain the divine mercy, and all the help we need for our salvation. Let us therefore go with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace in seasonable aid. To the throne of grace, that is to Mary, says St. Antoninus, and for this reason St. Catherine of Siena called Mary the dispenser of divine mercy. Let us conclude with the beautiful and tender exclamation of St. Bonaventure on these words, O clement, O pious, O sweet Virgin Mary. O Mary, thou art clement with the miserable, compassionate towards those who pray to thee, sweet towards those who love thee, 
clement with the penitent, compassionate to those who advance, sweet to the perfect. Thou showest thyself clement in delivering us from chastisement, compassionate in bestowing graces, and sweet in giving thyself to those who seek thee. Example Father Charles Bovio relates that in the principality of Dombes in France, there was a married man whose wife was jealous of another woman, and did nothing but call down both on her husband and the woman the judgments of God. And this she did especially one day that she went before an altar of the Blessed Virgin to pray for justice against this woman. The woman, however, was in the habit of going every day to recite a Hail Mary before the same image. One night the Divine Mother appeared in a dream to the wife, who, on seeing her, began as usual to exclaim, Justice, O Mother of God, justice. But our Blessed Lady replied, Justice, chastisements, dost thou seek them of me? No, go to others, for I will not grant what thou askest. For know, she added, that that sinner recites every day a salutation in my honor, and by whomsoever it is recited, it deprives me of the power of allowing him to suffer or to be chastised for his sins. In the morning the wife went to hear Mass in the above-named church of our Blessed Lady, and on returning home met this woman, and immediately began to abuse her, and then declared that she was a witch, and that she had succeeded even in enchanting the Blessed Virgin herself. The people who were present told her to hold her tongue. Be silent. Indeed, I will not, for what I say is true. For last night our Blessed Lady appeared to me, and when I demanded justice, she told me that she could not grant it on account of a salutation offered her every day by this wretch. The woman was then asked what salutation it was that she offered every day to the Mother of God and she replied that it was the Hail Mary. On hearing that for that trifling devotion the Blessed Virgin had shown her such mercy, she went and cast herself before the holy image, and there, in the presence of all, she asked pardon for the scandal she had given, and made a vow of perpetual chastity. She then clothed herself with the habit of a nun, built herself a little room near the church, and there remained until her death, leading a life of continual mortification and penance. Prayer O Mother of Mercy, since thou art so compassionate, and hast so great a desire to render service to us poor creatures, and to grant our requests, behold I, the most miserable of all men, have now recourse to thy compassion, in order that thou mayest grant me that which I ask. Others may ask what they please of thee, bodily health and earthly goods and advantages, but I come, O Lady, to ask thee for that which thou desirest of me, and which is most in conformity with and agreeable to thy most sacred heart. Thou art so humble, obtain for me humility and love of contempt, Thou wast so patient under the sufferings of this life, obtain for me patience and trials. Thou wast all filled with the love of God, obtain for me the gift of his pure and holy love. Thou wast all love towards thy neighbor, obtain for me charity towards all, and particularly towards those who are in any way my enemies. Thou wast entirely united to the divine will, obtain for me entire conformity with the will of God, in whatever way he may be pleased to dispose of me. Thou in fine art the most holy of all creatures. O Mary, make me a saint. Love for me is not wanting on thy part. Thou canst do all, and thou hast the will to obtain me all. The only thing, then, that can prevent me from receiving thy graces is either neglect on my part in having recourse to thee, or little confidence in thy intercession. But these two things thou must obtain for me. These two greatest graces I ask from thee. From thee I must obtain them. From thee I hope for them with the greatest confidence. O Mary, my mother Mary, my hope, my love, my life, my refuge, my help, and my consolation. Amen. Okay, and that's where we'll stop with our reading for today. Another good chapter, and now there's only one more to go in this first part of the Glories of Mary. 
One thing that struck me from the example today was the efficacy of the Hail Mary said by the woman who the wife was calling justice upon. You see how even the simple recitation of such a short prayer like the Hail Mary is so dear to Our Lady. She never lets our acts of love and homage go unnoticed. Obviously, the Hail Mary, the angelic salutation, is right behind the Our Father as the greatest of prayers. We read back in October on the Feast of the Holy Rosary some of St. Louis de Montfort's words about these beautiful prayers, the Our Father and the Hail Mary, but I just love how loving Our Lady is when you consider these short and seemingly little yet powerful acts of love we show her being so pleasing to her and how much she returns those acts of love in a far greater measure. As we read today how much the daily recitation of the Hail Mary before the image of Mary by that woman meant so much to Our Lady and obtained her so much mercy and ultimately repentance and amendment of life. It makes you wonder just how pleasing it is to Our Lady if we really try to foster a strong devotion to her and imitate her virtues. Well, obviously, we've been reading from St. Alphonsus about all the wonderful ways Our Lady helps us and looks after her clients. Of course, not in any way to try to diminish the value of the prayer, but we shouldn't stop at a single Hail Mary, but try to honor Our Lady every day by our prayers, sacrifices, and leading a good Catholic life with a strong devotion to her. But what a consolation it is to consider Our Lady as truly being a mother of mercy, and that we should have no fear in approaching her especially when we consider our sins and imperfections, which makes us fear to approach the Divine Majesty on account of our unworthiness. But we have Our Lady to take us by the hand to our Lord and help us amend and lead a life pleasing to Him. Of course, we should be mindful of the great reverence and respect we owe to Our Lady as being the Mother of God and the honor which is her due. But even though she is exalted above all creatures, as we continue to read, she by no means neglects us. Our humble and compassionate mother is always working to help us poor creatures in our needs and help us make it to heaven. So as this Christmas season nears its close, we should obviously continue to thank our Lord for becoming man for us and thank Our Lady for consenting to be the mother of God, the mother of our salvation. But we can try to close this Christmas season out by asking Our Lady to help us make use of the good graces God has given us and that she has obtained for us. And though we're not there yet and we should continue to rejoice, we do consider that Lent is around the corner and our time to do good penance and to make reparation for our sins, make sacrifices, is fast approaching. So we can ask Our Lady now to help us be better prepared when that time comes and to spend the end of this Christmas season as the Church wants us to and prepare ourselves to spend pre-Lent and the Lenten season the way the Church wants us to. Well, again, only one more chapter to go in this beginning section of The Glories of Mary, and I think for this episode we'll go ahead and move to our quote, which comes from Father Edward Pope, one who I've quoted multiple times here on the show before. And it reads, Go with confidence to kneel before the throne of grace. Grace itself is the God-man. His throne is Mary. Well, I think we'll go ahead and conclude our episode today with our own prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, pray for us. St. Alphonsus de Liguori, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I thank you all for coming by to today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. God bless you all, and Mary keep you. Mary,
阳光。